Do you feel like your voice is being drowned out in the social media realm? Are you sick and tired of social giants selling your data to the highest bidder? Would you like to get paid for the content you post and curate? Then you'll love voice.com. Voice is a transparent, rewards-based social network for creating, distributing, and discovering content. It aims to foster a new and trusted experience through identity authentication and transparent database infrastructure. Voice is built by and for its users. The voice token can be earned and consumed to acquire the attention of other users on the the network. That's right. It slices, dices, purees, and comes with this amazing set of Ginsu knives. But wait, there's more. Today, you'll meet Salah Zalatimo, CEO of Voice. You'll hear our voices as they interview his voice, and then you can scream out loud at your podcast player so we can hear your voice. It's the Billy Mays Tribute, episode number 407 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Very nice, Mr. Joel Com. That was like a combo of Billy Mays and Ron Popeil. That was it was a, a, a Joel combo. That, oh. was, that was great. I want to buy some voice now. How do I? <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm sure that when people heard that beginning they actually thought it was like a commercial before the podcast <laughs> we uh, you never know you never know what's going to happen here the bad crypto podcast i am joel com that's travis Wright, and these are our voices that is true and we had a great pleasure of interviewing the ceo of voice not so long ago and but before we get to that we got we got a little sponsorification we'd like to chat about Mm, eToro has sent us some data for what's happening in the crypto world recently. And there's a, there's a few points here of data that are interesting from them. One of them is while there was some calm again in crypto trades compared to previous weeks, Bitcoin is up in how many people are trading it. There is, you know, there more people are focusing on Bitcoin than anything else. And that makes sense because the halving was, you know, was coming that previous week. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then also Neo got some traction, got 15% more traders in the previous week. And uh, 75% of all amounts traded in crypto were invested in Bitcoin. And uh, that's pretty handy. Mm-hmm. And the average amount in April was doubled in May so far, right? The, that's what they're saying. The amount of, I don't know how they could tell from the whole month, but because we're not through a whole month yet, but they said the amount invested in Bitcoin has doubled from the April average. Maybe that's from a the April average for that week, for that, for that, for the first for week. that, for yeah. that week. Well, Hey, if you guys haven't signed up for your eToro account yet, and you are in the United States, go to badcode.in forward slash eToro. And when you follow the simple instructions on that page, you can get $50 in free Bitcoin from myself and Mr. Travis right here at the Bad Crypto Podcast. Go to the page, badco.in forward slash eToro. Do that. And yeah. um, shall we go? Well, what, what you got? Well, you know what? I want to give a shout out to the real original Bad Brad Webb uh, for winning the the Bad Brad <laughs> Garbage Pail Kid Prism. So he is the first winner of that. Now, there's, there's some other people who might be a winner because – we have been collecting some of these garbage pail kids, so there might be some bonus ones out there. There's some other folks out there who had uh, had sent in an email on that, so there are no more. There are no don't email us anymore on that because those are all been taken. But a couple of we might actually give out more than just one. So yeah, and it's it's important to note that you know the card packs went for four ninety five during the sale, and of course they all sold out. And now if you go to the aftermarket sites a pack of garbage pail kits featuring five cards is selling for $40. Uh, actually, the price of wax went up. So I noticed that last night, the price of them were going for $51. Holy cow. That's, that's, that's on incredible. The, that's on gpk.market, which was really interesting to watch how NFTs are, are taking the collectible world by storm, folks. So don't sleep on it. Why would you sleep on an NFT? Well, you can't because it's in the digital world. You can't sleep on it. I would like an NFT pillow, please. Oh, yeah. They're going for the the cheapest one is going for 1,470 wax right now. How much is a wax? Wax, last time I checked, was 3.5 cents. That's $51.45. Here's the brilliance on waxes and topses side. You know, 
when Top sells a pack of cards and, you know, you got a Mickey Mantle card, you could then turn around, you know, now 50 years later and sell that card for thousands of dollars. Tops doesn't get any of that. But with these digital cards, every time there's an aftermarket listing of packs or individual cards, Wax takes 2% commission and Tops gets 8%. So they're going to make in, into infinity every time there is a secondary transaction on the wax blockchain for one of these cards tops makes eight percent of that transaction yeah if you think about it that's crazy because now these packs that were five dollars are now going for 51 dollars, and 10 percent of that is five dollars so basically they're every time these packs are selling on the secondary market it's like they sold a brand new pack again and they're making it you're right that's real that's one of my favorite things about these nfts how wax is doing them is that the original creators still get paid in the aftermarket. So that's brilliant. That's great stuff. You know, I think Wax is going to be something to to really watch. They've stumbled into something here that I think is going to be big. With these Wax packs. Yeah, actually, I sold a sketch card. I just noticed it went through last night while I was sleeping. I sold a sketch card for 3,100 Wax. Oh, my. So that's about 100 bucks. <laughs> it's about hundred bucks. Yeah, that sounds kind of sketchy, Mr. Travis. For a digital, for a digital collectible, where the thing is, I can look at every single one of them on the screen. Like, why do I have to own it? There's this FOMO thing that makes you go, "Oh, I need to own this." But look, I can see it. Why do I need to own it? And there's no difference between owning it and just seeing it. Except but you, you do own it. it. You do own it. That's the that's the thing about this. And nobody, unless you get hacked, nobody can steal this from you. You know, if somebody broke into your place, they could take all your baseball cards and then they're gone forever. Mm-hmm. Nobody can steal these cards from the blockchain unless you give them the key. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's really cool about these NFTs. We're going to be talking a lot more about NFTs in the future. Of course, we've distributed some of our collectible NFTs to you. And Mr. Travis Wright, what, can we get an ETA on the um, the loyalty NFT that we were going to distribute for those that have at least five of our NFTs? I know you were working on that, and I think it took a back seat because of the, the virtual. Oh, yeah. Uh, let me go back into Fiverr and see the, the finished version because I've not, I'm not uh, saw the final connection. I need to put that together with some other stuff. So I don't know. We'll see. Cool. We Soon. Soon, we want to reward those of you who have collected the NFTs so far. And we're really excited about this interview. For those of you that follow the EOS Voice News podcast, we've done a number of episodes there, and we've been trying for a long time to get somebody from Voice to speak with us. We finally got in touch with Salah Zalatimo, who is the CEO. We released this interview on the EOS Voice News podcast, and we encourage you to go over to eosvoice.news and subscribe to that one. But the interview was so good, we thought that this is of general interest to the entire crypto world. So let's go to it. The social media space is broken. Some would say that the powers that be have too much power that be. And I would tend to agree wouldn't you, Mr. Travis Wright? Well, you're so rhymy, Mr. Joel Collins. I'm feeling rhymy. I got, I got it all up in my voice this morning. Yo, it's because I found my voice. Well, actually, we found the CEO of voice.com. Salah Zalatimo is with us this morning to talk things, all things social media, decentralization, and yet centralization, and what the future of voice is all about. Salah, welcome to Bad Crypto. Thank you very much, John. Thank you, Travis. Very happy to be here. And I absolutely agree. Social media is broken. Uh, and unfortunately, what we've come to depend on uh, to empower us and, and to unite us as a society has ended up really deceiving and dividing us, unfortunately. And I think, you know, given what's going on now with, with the lockdown, those flaws that we've a lot of a lot of the flaws of social media today we've we've all known about and we we can all not many will argue um but it's really all been um exposed uh, in this process and you really think about you know, we uh, the 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 beauty of social media was that it was making a global community it was connecting everybody uh, but here we are in a lockdown and i couldn't feel more disconnected than i do right now and so uh, I think there are a host of issues that if we were able to go back in time and rebuild social media platforms from scratch, we would do things quite differently. 
And uh, I happened to be in the in the fortunate circumstance of being able to do just that. Well, why don't you elaborate just a little bit on what the problems are? You know, why, why is it broken? The first thing that we can we can likely agree on is that we we don't trust social media anymore. Actually, we don't really trust media generally anymore. And I, think I just don't trust people. <laughs> You're, there might be something there, right? Maybe mm. this is nothing to do with digital. Maybe this is actually physical to begin with, right? Mm. But uh, I think um, that if there is a seed of distrust in people, social media has allowed that to germinate and to flourish, really. Um, because now, uh, at least in the physical world, when you're talking to somebody, you know you're talking to a human being. Now we live in a, in a digital world where we don't even know if who we're talking to is real or not. We don't know if the information they're sharing is real or not. We don't know if this trend that is um, um, emerging on a platform is authentic. Is it actually a trend or are there just millions of bots out there gaming the algorithm? Um, you know, when, when you're being, when you're logging into a website with a social media login, is it actually just to make your life easier, a one-click login, or are they going to be tracking you all over the web now and, uh, and, and you know, secretly collecting data and selling it to other people? So I think trust is gone. That's problem number one. Uh, I think problem number two is that uh, it is now in the hands of commercial interests more than it is in the hands of social interests. So uh, once you begin to start making money through advertising, meaning selling people's attention to other third parties um, as a platform without any accountability and transparency, you know, that is a rabbit hole that is hard to resist the temptation to go down. And I think our friend, Mr. Zuckerberg has shown very little hesitation in going down that rabbit hole as far as possible. Yeah. And, and I, I would maybe even say part three is the censorship aspect of social media, right? It's like, that's, that right there has been so interesting. I, he was just talking about our, our good friend, Mark Zuckerberg, he currently has been banning people who are creating groups and events around protesting this stay at home order, right? People are, you know, one of our, one of our rights on the constitution bill of rights is, Hey, we have a right to, to assemble peacefully. And they've taken that, they've taken that away. They say that, you know, there's been people in, in, in Raleigh, North Carolina get arrested because protesting is not an essential activity, right? So our rights are not essential activities now. Now, when it comes to social media, we're seeing a big problem. And actually, this is how Joel and I got going in the blockchain space originally. I had written an article on Huffington Post about the election and all the problems everybody was talking about. And it's like, well, you know what? We can bitch about the problem or we can solve it and we could have voter ID and we could have blockchain voting. And that, you know, that could make the whole system a little more transparent. As a result of that, a group reached out to Joel and I about, uh, you know, helping them with the project and blockchain base was going to be sort of a Reddit type of Twitter type of thing. It was called Deep Sea. And it was like, hey, let's take a look at every piece of content. Let's have the audience go out and search for bias and, and all this other stuff. And then he changed his mind and wanted to do a YouTube. And then if you if you don't have you know, a clear vision at the at the helm and things crashed down. So that thing ended up going away. But it got Joel and I talking and saying, hey, let's create a podcast around blockchain and start looking for solutions that can make society better. Now, I think it's one of the things that we've that we've really, you know, ha- had a, had a North Star on is because so, both of us are from the, 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 the marketing world. And so social media over the last decade has been amazing. And then something happened where it just it just it just tweaked it and now they've turned it social media against us they ban content they say who can who can have a voice and who can't have a voice and maybe let's talk about that and how does how does voice begin to solve some of those issues that you that we just talked about absolutely travis and i think what you're describing is i would abstract it a little bit and say you know why are we even there why is facebook in a position to even be considering manual uh, censorship or manually uh, and subjectively making those types of decisions. It's because the platform itself is flawed from its foundation. If you are at 2 billion, 3 billion users, I mean, I think real users are probably less than a billion or definitely less than a billion on the platform. So if you're talking to the hundreds of millions of people um, on a platform and, you know, 15 years into existence and, you know, having already earned something like half a trillion dollars in revenue, um, and you have groups of people sitting in rooms actually debating whether something is and isn't okay, 
in 2020, something's gone wrong. And so th that's exactly the kind of thing that we feel we can re-architect from scratch to, be, to empower the, the community to make those types of decisions, right? Uh, we, we, don't, we don't believe that the platform should be the one de determining whether something is and isn't okay. We believe the community on the platform should be the one determining that. And so we are taking a very specific and, uh, and intentional uh, product point of view here where we plan on building tools for community self-governance. It's one of our core values. Mm. So, uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's rewind a little bit. Let's go to voice.com. This is a domain that the word on the street is that Block One paid $25 million for. Is that correct? I think the actual number is 30 million, um, but uh, that is correct. Wow, is that the most ever paid for it a is. domain name? I think it is. Uh, I'm not sure, but I do think it is. You beat sex.com, I think. Congratulations. <laughs> What's more important, having a voice or having sex? Who knows? Well, well, both are important. Very important. Having a voice during sex, I suppose, also, <laughs> also might be important. Okay, so $30 million, uh, Since that's straight from the, uh, the horse's mouth here, that's a number that we'll use going forward. And we've, we've gotten access, uh, although it took some time to get in, you know, invited into the beta, uh, which was which was sad for us. And then it took us some difficulty, in particular, um, around the um, the struggle to get verified as an individual human being. Now, here's the question: Is there a, an inconsistency in wanting to have a, a free a social media site where you have your voice? and can say what you want to say uh, and have your privacy, but give all of this information in order to be verified. There's some tension there, isn't there? I think um, at, that, at that level, those two ideas seem like they are, that they might, they might uh, conflict. And so I think in order to understand it a little bit better, it's important to put them into practical context a little bit. So um, on one hand, you have you 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 can say everyone having a voice means a free platform uh, where anyone can say anything they want at all times. However, um, there are problems with that, right? So the first pro major problem is um, there are laws that limit what what one can say on a platform. So the only way to truly truly have a wide open platform with no rules behind it is to um, is to somehow find a way to um, avoid sovereign jurisdiction and many have attempted it i don't think anybody has fully succeeded i think even uh uh the infamous 4chan um is uh is an example uh, so that so that's not an aspiration of voice we're not trying to be the impossible to uh govern or impossible to uh to find organization where anything goes we're trying to be um, um something a little bit different we're trying to be a community of voices where you know who you're speaking to, where you know that everybody on the platform is authentic and genuine. Um, it's, it's, it means that um, you, we will all have to, to provide a significant amount of uh, personal information and personal data to be able to um, verify life and, and identity so that we are not subject to bot manipulation, so that we are not um, in a world where, you know, the, the, uh, social norms that we have in the physical world uh, are kind of set aside and and hidden behind a mask of anonymity. So voice, will, will, while it will not be a, a free-for-all type of uh, environment where you can say whatever you want at any point, um, it will be an environment that is uh, that empowers and respects the individual. We will protect uh, your your data and your and your data and your rights to your data. Um, people will be able to own their data, um, and we will be very proactive about what we're going to do with that data, if anything. So it is, it is about privacy, it is about identification, um, but it's about uh, uh, authenticity as well. And so the struggle that, that you went through with uh, getting verified is, is more of a product lesson for us in the sense that we want to make sure that that is not that that can't be a cumbersome process. And so I'll tell you that Travis, your experience uh, getting registered 
um, was was really uh, gave 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 us a lot of fuel and a lot of motivation to find a solution for that quickly. And so uh, we will absolutely have a much better and a much more intuitive and a much easier way to verify identity that does not require using a, a government ID of any sort. Yeah, that is interesting. You made a lot of really interesting points right there. And for one, yeah, the process was frustrating. I got to the point where I was just like, man, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm the, it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't, you know. And Joel's like, come on. And I'm like, dude, I, we can't do a podcast right now because I'm pissed. It's not going to be helpful. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to. So I, I got to say, though, that your team, you know, they reached out and, and were very helpful. And I think everybody that we've dealt with at Voice, once we finally talked to somebody at Voice, has been just, you know, stellar. So thank you. So great work there. I want to actually go back to the self-governance question because you, you brought up at the end before Joel's question is you mentioned that in a lot of these social media profiles and platforms, there are a ton of bots and you can tell that it happens. Like anytime that the president tweets immediately on Twitter, you can just see just massive amounts of just the same sort of comments and the same thing. So there's like, there are definitely bots. There's a lot of people out there, don't get me wrong, who hate Trump, but that you can just see and you go look on Instagram and, and he'll say something and you don't see that. And you'll, you'll say something on Facebook and he, they won't see that because people who don't like him don't actually see their profiles. And so on some, I just look at how it is on different profile, different platforms on, on, on his different profiles. And sometimes it's like night and day, like on Instagram, it almost looks like he's got 95% support on Twitter. It looks like he's got 95% people hating him. And so there's this problem with these bot networks and it's very evident on Reddit as well, how these bot networks sort of utilize and, and, and game the algorithm. And then also with Facebook, you know, there's, so I, I have have business in the Philippines and, you know, there's, a, there's actually a business in the Philippines whose job they have, they have like multiple floors of this building. I think it's in Makati where they basically are sitting all day and, and, and authorizing certain posts on Twitter to come through. And a lot of the times they're seeing horrible stuff. They're seeing, you know, things that, that nobody should, should see. And, and, and these people only last about three months at the job before they go crazy. And so how, how are you building in these self-moderation uh, platforms or, or, or tools within the ecosystem to avoid, you know, content that's illegal, you know, you don't want to see certain things and we don't want to see them. And is, is, is part of that connecting it to your real identity? And then how are some of those, those tools set up so we can eliminate a lot of that manipulation? I mean, you've, you've covered a lot of really good points there, Travis. So uh, the first thing I would say is that I think Reddit is probably uh, the, the, the extreme edge of this because it is obviously an anonymous uh, platform. And not only is it anonymous, I mean, it's built to be. I mean, you can, anyone within Reddit could just turn on anonymous for a second, right? And so that's what it's there for. And I would say that to the earlier point that Joel was making, and if you want if you want an environment where you can just say whatever you want without re, without any real recourse, it, you almost need to be anonymous at that point because um, you know the, the, it would be difficult to to attach things to your actual uh, identity um, if you really wanted to kind of just let let out what you're feeling deep inside. Um, but let me ask you a question first: of all the social platforms that exist outside, which one do you think has the fewest fake accounts? Or let me ask the question a different way: Which one would you say um, is has the least amount of uh, fraud? Like, if you see somebody on this social network, that's likely to be who they are. LinkedIn. It's the only one. The rest of them, complete. And you know, it's I think that even some of the verified accounts on Twitter aren't actually even real. I've seen some that I've, I've questioned them. So again, is it a narrative? Are they just trying to push certain things through? Because you mentioned that earlier, we're like, oh, do we even know if this is really trending? Like, this seems like a weird trend that just pops up. And then there's other ones that have so much more content. And then and then those get squashed. And those trends don't even show up. And so you can see how that manipulation goes on. But I think the best answer would be LinkedIn. I 100% agree. To me, it's the only one. It's the only one that I know that when somebody, when I see somebody on LinkedIn, I'm pretty sure they're real. Why? Well, it's their, it's their photo. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, obviously there's a business purpose to it. So people are doing it to kind of make money. So there isn't, there is a personal career financial incentive to just be forthright about it. But also you're attaching yourself to your company. You're attaching yourself to your colleagues. Like there's, there is an actual cost for you being untruthful or inflammatory on LinkedIn because it actually could affect your career and the money and your family, et cetera. 
Could so, you maybe use like, you know, aged LinkedIn accounts? Like, you know, you got to be on LinkedIn for five years or more. And then that, because somebody can't just go create a LinkedIn and then go create a voice. Maybe there's some way like you could log in with your LinkedIn account. Well, you're, you're, you're onto something, Travis. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. So Travis is uh, onto something. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, I, I deal with fraud all the time. I have a verified account on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And for some reason, my photos are used for scammer accounts, not just um, for people actually using my name or some variation of my name and trying to scam people out of Bitcoin, but also my photos are used in other names to scam vulnerable women, right, around the world, especially. Because he's so sexy. Mr. Joe Com is so sexy. Because I'm a nice looking guy, right? That's, <laughs> I think my pictures, you know, I'm this, this decent, you know, average looking American, all American guy and and older, you know, I've got silver you know salt and pepper hair and so i look trustworthy and and i am but i have to report accounts all the time uh and what's really frustrating to me especially on facebook is they have facial recognition built in to the platform it'll tag me in photos is this you is this you and yet they can't use that to go this exact photo was already used on somebody's profile could it be fake no they use all the freaking time and i'm wondering if there's like a uh, you know a lawsuit against them even though they eventually pull them down they don't stop the process of people using them you know, and then it costs me time and money and emotional duress. We're talking years of this. We're talking hundreds of fake profiles. Why do you think they don't take that action then? That's a really, really good question. I mean, they do when when they're reported. You know, I'm fortunate because I'm verified. Because I'm verified, I have um, a higher priority when something is reported. I feel bad for people who don't have verified accounts because they have no priority to my knowledge yeah. uh, so they they have had the ability to get stuff taken down but it should never go up in the first place yeah i, I agree with you and, I, and to me it is a fundamental misalignment of incentives um you know i, I like I that come... a fundamental alignment of misincentives misalignment Misalignment of misalignment. I like it. I like fundamental alignment of misincentives <laughs> better. I think that's, <laughs> that that better disqualified it. it. I think yeah. you're right. Actually, that is a better one. Um, you know, th- that's where we talk about architecting with integrity. That's where we talk about can't be evil. You know, um, it. The, if you are setting up a business where you're garnering people's attention, and the way that you're going to make money is by selling their attention to a third party, um, and everything you do is in a black box and it's unverifiable and untrackable. Um, you know, do you really care if it's a fake account or not? You know, I, I come from the, the media world and, um, you know, the advertising industry is famous for this. You know, you don't really know if somebody, if an actual human being saw your ad or a computer saw your ad, there's no real way of verifying it. And if you actually dig into it, like the, the methods they use of verification are kind of funny. I mean, it's, you know, like really trying to like use a variety of metrics to say this is more likely to be a real person. But honestly, if you're a mildly committed uh, bad actor, you can devise a computer system or a botnet to easily fool whatever uh, imp- uh, tools are in place. So you're really only filtering out the laziest of bad actors. And so, um, you know, the, it, it is a real thing. If, if, if a bot sees an ad on Facebook and Facebook gets paid for it, do they care about that bot? Right. I would say no. And that's why, you know, their numbers have consistently grown over time and why they spent so many billions of dollars on WhatsApp and and all the other acquisitions. You know, the the Instagram, I think, was probably one of the best acquisitions of all time. They bought that thing for like a billion dollars. And then how valuable is that platform now? I would say it's probably 100x that, if not more, just because of how, you know, how sticky the, the platform is. So let's, let's maybe talk about voice a bit and some of the vision of this. Cause you know, Joel and I, we played around with it right now. It kind of seems, it seems kind of like medium a bit, right? Where you're able to go in and kind of create long form thoughts more so than sort of short form like Twitter uh, or even Facebook. And so maybe tell us the vision of voice in its current 
state and maybe where you see it going to over its life cycle? Absolutely. So voice, uh, we launched our, our beta on uh, February 14th of this year. And you know, if, if you can imagine trying to architect a social media platform um, that can run on a blockchain or on a, a few blockchains, um, it's actually it's actually a significant um, like it's a significant technical accomplishment just to have the throughput to be able to do that to be able to handle that level of, of uh, um, engagement. So the, the the this first beta was really focused on the the under the hood like the actual EOSIO protocol and um, getting it to a place where it could handle the scale of a Facebook ultimately. And so most of what you see today uh, is really more focused on that technical side of things. And so we, we've been watching a lot of, you know, how the blockchains are performing and how, what the read rate is, what the write rate is, and trying to get it to a place where we feel comfortable kind of unleashing it on the world. And so, you know, I joined the company about three weeks before that beta launched. And, and my focus has been on taking that, that, that incredible tech that they've built uh, and the incredible um, kind of core infrastructure and putting on top of it a very user-friendly and engaging um, uh, user experience. So my focus really is uh, we will have an, uh, um, a, a big uh, update launch uh, later this summer, and that will include uh, that will include a lot of the updates that we're talking about from a UI UX standpoint. And so right now, uh, you, what you're seeing is very um, is, is very much focused on the content creation, similar to the way that um, that you would see with a medium. Uh, but it is really just the bare bones of it. And so I can't get too much into the um, what the specifics of, of what those changes will be yet. Um, they're just kind of not ready for, for prime time. Um, but I can say that uh, it will, we, you will be able to get into the platform and register uh, with significantly fewer steps and requirements. So you will not need a government ID and it will take uh, far fewer um, steps. However, we will still maintain uh, we'll still focus on maintaining uh, a really tight-knit community and a trusted and verified community. Well, so, let's talk a little bit about the function of it. I'm, uh, for those of you watching on video, I'm sharing my screen. And this is my profile right here. There's a couple things I don't like about this that I hope you're going to fix. The first is my picture is a mugshot because when I had to put it up for verification, it says, take off your glasses. Well, there's no photos of me online without my glasses because I'm blind without them. And, you know, I, I didn't realize that this photo was going to be used as my profile photo. And I don't use my middle name anywhere, but because of identity, um, you know, I put in my full name. It says right now, settings coming soon. When will I be able to customize this, upload whatever photo of me I want to use and have my name displayed like I want? Well, um, you're not the only one. <laughs> um, and so we will, be, we will be fixing that in the update. So when the update comes out, your profile will be customizable. You will be able to uh, change your uh, display name. You don't need to use your middle name. Um, and you can have multiple profile pictures. So it is something that we're aware of, you know, and while it sounds trivial, uh, our focus was primarily under the hood and we wanted to just kind of put up our, our MVP. Um, and we learned a lot of lessons about uh, on the edges, things like make sure it's very clear to people that this image will be their profile photo and cannot be edited for the time being. So um, Thank you for bearing with us on that, but it is something we're very aware of. And even though it sounds like a small point, it's actually a very, very major point uh, in our in our relaunch. So we're well. The good part is nobody's going to steal that picture to use, you know, to scam people. So <laughs> absolutely, and 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 it's still a closed beta, so um, the the exposure is very limited. And so before it opens up to the world, we will be able to uh, to re to uh, modify that. Yeah, it's cool. So I actually had one of the top posts in travel. I one of my first posts that I put in there. I I posted a bunch of photos that I had from Iceland, and and it yeah. went it went pretty big. And then actually Joel he decided to to be the top voice on that post, and I think he he cost him twenty nine hundred voice tokens or whatever to do that, and uh, and so it was a really interesting process. And then now if you find that post. He's he has the top voice on that. He's he's stuck with that top voice on that. So now I have yeah, there it is right here. So now I have over five thousand total voice, and and Joel's sad because he has. Yeah, can, Travis, can I ask a question around that? Sure. Uh, so 
here I am, I'm the winning voice. And, and let's, you know, let's explain, actually, let me back up to um, another uh, tab just so people can, um, so we can maybe, maybe I can vote something up here that, um, that shows what happens. Okay, so here I am in all, the feed of all, because there's a bunch of categories here. And if I scroll down and I look for something that has, doesn't have a huge amount of voice, um, here we go. There's one right here. Add a positive word to this jar that starts with the first letter of your name. And I look here and the current top voice is Eric Vance Walton. Now, if I want to become the top voice, I can do it for 540 voice. I've got 3,200, so I can go ahead and do that. I'm going to voice it and boom, there it is. Now I'm on top. Now to me, this is advertising my profile. Is that right? This is a two-part question. Let me ask that part first. This is like advertising my profile. Is that right? It is, yes. And I, I, I want to ask some questions about this. So it is advertising your profile. And, and in the latest update, it also allows you to elevate one of the comments in the thread to the top comment. It lets me elevate a comment? Like my own comment or somebody else's? Any comment. So right now, you're not, you can't do it yet because... The, you're still like the game hasn't ended, so you can somebody else can outvoice you. You're just a current top voice. It ends after 24 hours. Once that happens, you uh -huh. can, you now have more kind of uh, flexibility on what you can do with the page. So one of the things that we're, we've added is the ability to choose a comment that you want to highlight and raise it to the top of the thread. Uh, so okay. You do that. I'm, uh, okay, here we go. So now here I am. I'm the winning voice on Travis's post, and I don't know how much I spent on it, but it was a whole lot. Um, like 2,400 or so, but the post isn't really being active anymore. So my question is, is what's the point of being the top voice after the peak of views on that post? Because now that, that I might be the, the guy that's advertising yeah. there on top, but if people aren't going there anymore, who cares? Like the top post of the all time or top post of the month or top post of the week, sort of like how Reddit has that. I don't, I don't see that feature here currently yet. Yeah. So let me reframe this. So I think the, the last word you'd mentioned, Travis, is the key one, which is yet. So we, we, we to, 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 to frame this conversation a little bit, we plan on being in beta for a year. So the full version of our app, uh, will not launch until the first quarter of next year, mm. and so the the to to the other way the other way I would ask the question is, uh, what do you think it should be? Because well, there, there's right? no there's no real reward, right? I I feel like that if I win, that after a period of time, maybe two weeks or or thirty days, that I get that voice back, right? So I I spent it i put it out there it's like my money is being mm. used you staked it maybe you staked it on I, a post right i stake it on the post but now that it's gone it makes me think oh well now i don't know that i want to be top voice when it's really high because it's not going to be worth anything it's not worth the the amount of tokens i'm spending no i, I hear you and um i so I, and and agreed so up until you're the winning voice, you earn a return every time somebody outbids you. So it is very clear that playing the game uh, has a benefit. The question is, why do I even want to win? It, it's the risk. It's the, exactly. it's the risk. It's, it's you're betting that, okay, somebody else is going to come exactly. after me and outvoice me and I'm going to earn a profit. Mm -hmm. And the person who made the post is going to earn a profit. But there's no real benefit right now yeah for and there's no time there's no time to know that oh <clears throat> the top voice on this one is chosen in 14 minutes uh-oh it's like an auction type of a thing and then people might be fighting for it or they're going nope i don't i don't know how much time is left on this so i don't i don't want to do that i don't right. know it's kind of interesting <laughs> it's true I, mean, of it all. I would say to you that think about this as voice being a new economy around content right so the bare bones of that economy are the, is the concept of a token, which is proxying attention. So we got step one. Step two is working that token into every interaction on the platform and then creating opportunities for earning more. This is the beginning of a, an opportunity to earn more, more tokens. And so what I would say to you is, 
the the path forward from us from here i don't um uh, instead of me giving you answers to these questions what i can give you is is the path that we're heading down to explore these answers that makes sense so okay. we know that it is it is so far the the game of voice that has been very um sticky and very uh, and very effective except for this last question of well do i even really want to win and if i don't want to win then you kind of a pattern develops where you say, I know that generally speaking, people don't tend to voice things over 3,000 tokens. So I'll play the game until 3,000 and then I'll stop because I might lose my money, you know? So potentially giving the money back after a period of time is one thing. Or maybe you're staking it and maybe you get a cut of all the, all the tokens that that piece has created, right? Ah, so then you're, then you're incented to be an early voicer because if you're coming in for two or three voice and this thing gets up to 3,000 voice and you're able to take a cut of that, then you just made a wise content investment. So it, 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 you see where this is headed, right? Is that if, you, if we're, we're now in a world where we've actually created an economy around media and around attention that doesn't exist today, we can actually architect every interaction and every element of this, of this platform into an economic model of some sort. So you're investing in content. Imagine if you could stake people. Imagine if you could stake an influencer. Imagine I know that when Joel and Travis come on this, they're going to have an incredible following and they're going to put up some really great content. And I want to make sure that, you know, I'm part of that. And so I will stake their invitation to the platform and stake their activities, uh, you know, in in perpetuity over a period of time. And a portion of that is shared back. I mean, you can, once you, once you switch the mindset into this is an economic model around attention, we're engineering a new economy, a digital economy that is actually equitable and fair instead of feudal and, um, and, you know, black box, the way that Facebook and social media is today. Well, you know, all of a sudden now uh, you, you, you can, you don't need to think of things as binary, as like, I get, I put this, I get that. Things can be on a spectrum now. You put in a little bit, you get a little bit more of this, and then there's a little more of that. You know, it's, it becomes much more nuanced and transparent. Yeah, so the, the token itself, the voice token, there's questions, you know, that we have and that several of our, uh, our audience have asked around the tokenomics, right? How many voice tokens are there? Because you're giving away 100 every day, to every account that you know you claim them, uh, and, and the second part of that is: Do you see these tokens then being uh, tradable on exchanges, and people can put them into the platform? You know, they can buy them and use them, or is everything going to be or totally organic? So the we're still working on on the um, off-platform um, token activity, but what I can say is this. For now, the token is meant to be on platform. Um, we know that the possibility of it going off platform is definitely there. Uh, and we know that there, the possibility of some uh, participants in the, in the community and on the platform may want to purchase additional tokens more than they're actually able to organically earn. And so those are, those are uh, things that we are definitely uh, very focused on figuring out. Um, and those are things that also have a lot of implications and a lot of dependencies, especially when you start talking about sovereignty and and um, financial systems and regulations on a country by country basis. Um, you, you really uh, you you start touching all, it, it, the complexity grows dramatically. So for now, we're focused on building a platform that people love, uh, a platform that is transparent, that is open and authentic. Um, and then you know we if if we're successful there, uh, the next set of problems will be good problems to have. Now, while you were saying this, I was thinking about this because there's, there's a bunch of other sort of blockchain projects that are popping up in the social media space and some of them are doing some interesting things. Now, would you guys ever consider, you know, maybe open sourcing your the, the voice platform for other people to sort of build new social media platforms on top of what you guys have already built? Sure. I mean, there's our goal is to give communities a voice everywhere and doing and creating a more equitable and transparent and just uh, social media ecosystem. And if the best way of doing that is to open source our platform, we'll do that. If the best way of doing that is giving our platform for free for communities to build on, we'll do that. So um, we, we're still, we're, we're, we're trying to keep a, a North Star, which is you know about 
um, allowing people to have a voice and to earn a voice. Um, and the first, the next step we're crystal clear about, and every step after that gets a little bit more and more directional because we don't want to anchor ourselves too much into what it should be. We just uh, want to take one step at a time and let the community shape it more. And oh, so if that's that. the direction that it takes, that'd be amazing. Nobody spends $30 million on a domain unless either they're insane or they have a grand master plan for monetization. And so how does, you know, how is block one going to turn this into something that's profitable? Well, um, I think the answer might be both to your, to your previous point, because in order to have, in order to have a plan and ambitions as big as block one does, um, many people may call you insane. Um, uh, and that's where all, all, that's where the greatest things in society have come from. So uh, Absolutely. I'm, actually, I'm actually very, very proud of that. And I think that, that I joined this company because what I found in Brendan and in Dan and the rest of the block one team is not just an ambitious group and not just a wicked smart group of people, but committed people, people who are not afraid to throw down and get after it because everyone in the world will tell you that social media is broken. Nobody's doing much about it because the challenge is huge. Talk about David and Goliath, right? Printing, printing billions of dollars a year. And to, to, even, to even think about going up against that, many would just call insane. Yeah. Um, but you put down 30 million bucks, that means we mean business. And right. We so where is the business? That's the question. Uh, so the, uh, the core economic model today around media is... Uh, generally around advertising. The second piece would be subscriptions. You know that since 2011, from, from 2011 to 2018, and I'm sorry my data is not more fresh enough, but I happen to have this data point in my back pocket. The news industry, uh, their revenues have been cut in half over that eight-year period. They lost $15 billion in industry revenue in the U.S. Or that may be global, sorry, but $15 billion. In, uh, in that same time period, Facebook and Google's revenues collectively approach $1 trillion. So the advertising business and the advertising, um, uh, the advertising method of monetization for media is no longer viable. Companies have been going out of business left and right. A quarter million journalists have lost their, lost their jobs in the past 20 years. I think 8,000 alone last year. So it is not viable anymore. And in order for us to keep media and to keep news actually working in our interest and in society's interest, which is the whole point it exists anyway, we've got to find a better economic model. The voice token presents that. We can now tokenize attention and therefore we can now create a, a platform where uh, every bit of attention given or garnered is an exchange of a token. And ultimately that token will, will have fiat value um, because as the demand for the platform increases, demand for the token will increase because more people will, will engage. And so you can think of it similar to airline miles. At some point, airline miles become so big and so popular that it in and of itself becomes a currency. Right, Not people do trade and broker them. You can buy absolutely. miles. Absolutely. And so that is, that is definitely the direction that we're heading in. How, and, and as I was kind of saying before, we know what the North Star is. We know where we're going to get to eventually. The exact steps we're going to take to getting there is still unclear because it's still the regulatory environment is still maturing around this. So we have to work with regulators to, to chart a path that everybody's comfortable with to getting there. So I wouldn't tell you exactly how that's going to happen just yet, but it is, an, it is a, a, a milestone that I feel is inevitable. I'll tell you, it's one of the reasons why we got so excited about voice originally was, you know, we followed uh, Dan Larimer from BitShares over to Steam. And then we're like, oh, here he is cruising on over to EOS. And wow, this could be really interesting if you build this platform, because not only has he done it before, he's done it twice before. He has coins that have been in the top 20 forever. Right. And so we're like, you know what? Wow, this voice thing sounds awesome. Joel and I, hey, let's create a podcast because we think this could be something that could be really big when they got the horsepower behind it to do that. So maybe as we sort of wrap up, you know, how has it been, you know, working with Dan Larimer and, and the, the, the technical minds over there? Because it sounds like to me that, 
you know, the, the, the platform and, and the, the, the technology and just the mind behind Dan is just a really sharp dude. And so that, that's what put a lot of faith in us in the initial, in the right at the beginning. Same. Uh, like I said, when I met Brendan and Dan, um, I, I, I saw two very unique individuals. Um, you know, you, you asked specifically about Dan and, his, and working with him on a technical standpoint. You know, I'll, I'll first say, as a person, Dan is one of the most principled and, um, and committed and passionate people that I've had the opportunity to work with. And so you take that and you pair it with just a one-of-a-kind type of mind uh, you have something special. And so it's not so when you meet Dan, you, you are not surprised at all as to how he's been able to have uh, such an incredible string of successes and such a prolific career thus far at such a young age. Um, he will have an idea, will will kick something around. 48 hours later, he will have just gone through a marathon coding session and delivered a pretty complete product single-handedly. The kind of thing that takes a small army six months to make. So there, there is no shortage of like jaw dropping moments. And I mean, literally this happens consistently. And so I, I'm actually in the, in the position of for the first time in my career, to be quite frank with you, of trying to keep up with, with this, um, with this incredible uh, pace of innovation. And so I will say that um, we, we have all the pieces necessary to take a, to take a really good run at taking this hill and really, uh, pushing social media into the next phase of its existence and and putting this this kind of uh, the, the the social media middle ages behind us yeah well we're we're all for that we're cheering for you and for anybody that's seeking to uh, to make this kind of impact in the world because the the big social giants um, they have too much power too centralized and uh, too out of control so uh, Zala, Salah uh, Zalatimo, did I pronounce your last name right? Is it Zalatimo? Zalatimo? Yes, you did. Thank you, Joe. Nailed it. He is uh, at Salafel on Twitter. And of course, uh, those of you in the beta, you can find myself and Mr. Travis Wright on the voice platform. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we're going to have you back probably more often than you want to talk to us because we want to <laughs> keep up to date on this. I always enjoy talking to you guys. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Have a great day and uh, keep sending the feedback. Thanks to Salah for granting us that interview, and we do look forward to hearing more from Voice. They're definitely iterating slowly. Uh, this interview was done about a month ago, and there's been a couple minor changes, but I think they're really taking their sweet time, and I hope that's because they're doing the analysis on what they're seeing and don't want to just kind of, you know, ready, fire, aim, but take really calculated direction on what their next steps are. You know, I agree. I think that this is, you know, if you've had a chance to go into voice or if you have not had a chance, I would say go to voice.com, get access to the beta, and uh, they're going to be launching it full on here soon. And I know that since it's in beta and I realize that it's in beta and then once they go live to the next one, they're going to wipe out all your voice. And so that's sort of, that's like a detriment. To me, it's kind of like a negative demotivator. It was like, oh, so I got to do all this stuff and then all my voice goes away. That's not untrue, Travis. The voice does go away, but what you are doing is you're building up your following. So those, you know, when they do open to the public, people who are using the beta are going to have that advantage okay, in yeah. terms of having more exposure. So right now, um, I've got 65 people that are listening to me. That's what they call, you know, when somebody's following and I'm listening to 30 people. So the voice will go away, but I don't think that your profile will. I mean, I can't see them wiping out the relationships that you've built on a social network. No, they won't do that. But you're wiping away your voice balance, which is uh, which was a sad thing. But that's okay. I, I, I don't mind. We'll get yeah. started again. They do level the playing field. It's kind of like a beta for you know a lot of games. And games, you'll go and you'll do the stuff and you'll level up. But then when the real game releases, everybody's reset to zero. So to level the playing field. And I understand that. Otherwise, it's like they would be giving preference to people who were in the beta. But definitely go apply and, and try it. It's, it's super interesting. And 
um, you know, I don't post there regularly, but I do like to post content there. And I'm really looking forward to when I can replace my profile picture with one that doesn't look like a mugshot. Yeah. And you know what? I saw your post on voice about about this whole thing. And it is it is interesting. You had a great post there. But like the the wax post about okay. wax and tops and all this great mainstream news about wax and the price hasn't really budged. I don't think the people have caught up to it yet. No, I don't think so either. And but you know, crypto doesn't move too much on news anymore. Remember during the ICO season, it's like this is coming out. There's going to be a press release, and a token will go. Vroom, oh yeah, know, guess what? We finally, we, we've updated our site, and we finally have a white paper. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, those, you know, that era is gone. But I do think it pays to kind of note where crypto is at right now, as long as we're in the banter section of the show it is 12 20 p.m on may 18th mountain standard time and bitcoin uh, yesterday got almost to ten thousand again it's down to 96 24 at the moment the total market cap 265 billion and things are pretty much in the green there's a lot of indicators that um, that we're not going to see a bear market you know things might not take off quickly but there's definitely some sort of stability right now here post having it appears i mean and think about this i mean what was the price whenever the rona started taking over and then everything crashed right so we're we're above where we were when the rona went down the rona also i don't know if you're watching the precious metals but you know i i like to kind of keep my eye on gold and silver prices gold is back to 1734 which is pretty much rec full recovery as it's been. And silver is catching up. Just a couple, you know, a week ago was down in the low $15 range. It's at $17.15 today. So the ratio is just about 100 to 1, again, from gold to silver. Yeah. You know, I'm actually still, I'm reading the uh, the post that you had there on, on voice and actually using my voice and commenting on it. <clears throat> and, there's one guy, Alexander Patrick Lennon-Cole. He says, I can't think of a bigger mainstream moment in blockchain yet. And a lot of the crypto people seem to have ignored this. I think the world changed when Tops and Wax started doing this thing because the amount of NFTs that were on the Wax blockchain just skyrocketed. The secondary market of this, people in collectibles, nostalgia. Gary V talks about it all the time. Nostalgia is going to make a big comeback. And all these different things around nostalgia that are interesting to people from the 80s and 90s and even early 2000s are, are something that pull on people's heartstrings. You connect that to NFTs and make them digitally collectible. You can have them on your phone and look at them and you can trade them and you can sell them. I mean, I got one. I got I mean, 30, I got th what 3,500 wax, uh, which let me look at the math on that, because that is just it's just crazy to me. Hundred and twenty two dollars that somebody bought one card for me from i spent a, i spent a total of i think about 200 bucks on these packs and i've made way more of my money back than i basically got a prism set for free and a base set for free because of how i was trading and selling some of these cards now what i'm not seeing i've noticed there's somebody uh one particular user ojeau.wam uh, you know it's anonymous on the wax blockchain so some user bought a bunch of packs and has listed an, a ton of them at 1475 i don't know if they're selling or not we would need to look at the wax blockchain to see what people are I buying i just sold one for 1450 so you know there's the question is like okay i'm looking here i have let me see 369 um, I have 12 unopened packs. Is this a bubble that's going to burst and should I sell them? Or, or, you know, I used to collect wacky packages. That was, uh, those of you who are old enough to remember the original wacky packages from the seventies, they were spoofs of, um, commercial products, you know, like Listerine and Mr. Clean and, Wrigley's I, gum. I vaguely remember those. Well, the if you have the first series of those, they are worth more, especially an unopened pack is worth more than a second, third, fourth, fifth edition. So assuming that this has been as successful as it has been, that is known. Assuming that Tops wants to continue this, there will be a series two garbage pail kits. And there's going to be a bunch of new people that are going to be brought to the space and go, oh, I missed series one. And it's very possible 
that because of the rarity of getting an unopened pack of series one, that those prices could go even higher. Yeah. My thought on that though, Mr. Joel Com was, is like, I, I started selling some, I sold a couple packs when they were six X, my original price. I sold some more when they were eight X. And then I sold a couple more when they were 10 X. I have a couple packs left, I think. And I'm just like, dude, 10 X. Like, and then I used, I used that, those, those profits to get all those additional cards that I didn't have from the packages that I opened so I could complete a set. So I have a base set and a prism set complete for basically $0 out of pocket. And I wonder, and if I need to, if I, and if the prices are even more advantageous to break up that set later and sell them individually or to sell them as a set, I mean, I bet, I bet that those two sets would go for 30 or 40,000 wax at this point. If I sold both of them together. Super waxy. That's crazy. It's an well, interesting thing. But think about that when they, as Joel mentioned, they started doing football cards and baseball cards and bringing back old school, you know, Babe Roots and Ted uh, Ted Williams and Mickey Mantles and, you know, all these other cool players. And just here's their digital card. And there's only, you know, 2,000 of them. But here, here's what's interesting is on these on these um, garbage pail kids, we've seen the statistics and of the of the base ones the most the most there are of any base card is like 560 mm-hmm. and the most there are of, of any of the prisms is like 330 but then there's two there's two variants there's a there's 1 through 41 a and there's 1 through 41 b and the b variants there's always been twice as many of those that's how it was with the originals and so with some of these sketch cards there's only like 15 of them in existence that's why some of these, like the Adam Bomb card, I saw an Adam Bomb go for twenty five thousand wax. Wow! I think this is one of the reasons that some people might want to shop around. Of course, we are not financial advisors, but um, I've been trying to slowly compute uh, complete my Prism set as well. I'm still missing probably about a dozen, and some of them are really expensive. I'm like, okay, I may never may never have those, uh, but. I, I do think they are truly collectible. There is a very limited supply. And when these do hit mainstream, and they will, it this is not an if. I am, you know, I would bet on this, as would you. This is not an if. This is a when NFTs hit mainstream. I'm not saying that the, you know, the garbage pail kids are going to be worth a ton, but NFTs and digital collectibles are going to be huge. And uh, people are going to be buying them at um, ridiculous prices. Yeah. Hey, send me a list over of which ones of those that you have. And then maybe we can make a trade. I can trade a sketch or something for you. Sounds sketchy. I know. All right. Let's. Um, I did. I do for you. One final thing. I did. The most I spent on one card to complete the set was that freaking Adam Bomb. How much was that? It was 2,000 wax, which was 70 bucks. Holy cow. Which but, but, I sold, but I sold two packs, and then I made that money, and then I bought the one that I needed to complete a set. So I was like, it's, it's profitable. And it's all magical. I, I, it's it's all magical. Internet. Money. Or magical internet. NFTs. <laughs> They're nifties. <laughs> Let's give a shout out to MobyPay.io. You know, money's been around for a long, long time. If you saw Mr. Travis Wright's Funny Money presentation at Virtual Blockchain Week, you'll know it started with cowrie shells and then went to precious metals and then minted coins and then to paper money. But the transfer of modern money sucks. It's expensive. You got fees. It's really difficult across borders. It's all going mobile, gang. Check out MobiPay.io, the beta of their incredibly fast blockchain system to be able to on and off fiat and cryptocurrencies is pretty slick stuff. MobiPay.io, you'll get $10 in free MBX tokens for beta testing the platform with them. And uh, we're fans. Well, Mr. Joe Com, as you work to complete your Prism set, uh, let me know what's anything on that, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna go here. And you know, I, there's so many opportunities in these secondary markets to look for buy low and to sell high, and uh, you, there's it's just kind of a fun thing. So if you like, if you ever like trading digital cards, I would say go check it out. GPK Markets one, uh, Simple Market is another one, but that one's really hard because you can't sort them. So go check it out. I'm, I'm going to go back and play with some more Garbage Bell Kids, Mr. Jolcom. That sounds I'm awesome. Like I'm well, listen, again. everybody, stick around for our next episode. It's coming your way soon. In fact, the next episode is going to be the one and only Anthony Pompliano. If you didn't get a chance to hear the interview at Virtual Blockchain Week, we're going to be 
uh, sharing that with you here and uh, you're going to dig it. So stick around. That'll come out num- episode number 408 on Wednesday, followed by our Friday bad news with our partners at Cointelegraph.com. We'll catch you guys then until yep. we meet again. Yeah. Again, big shout out to the CEO of Voice. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate that. Great interview. Love that. I was going to throw that before you throw that in there. but just give him another final shout out. I've lost my voice. Oh, no. Stay bad. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.